Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, I am thankful to be with you here this morning to share with you a message from the Word of God. I'm also thankful that uh, Pastor Goff did not ask me to do the children's message this morning. (laughs) Good job. I have found uh, over the course of uh, my career as a pastor, it's actually more difficult the younger an age uh, your audience is. This past uh, week, well, no, check that, because it wasn't this past week. I got this kind of turned around. It's actually this upcoming week. You will be uh, reading uh, through the New Testament, uh, specifically Galatians, uh, the end of that book, uh, chapters 5 and 6, and then into Ephesians, uh, chapters 1 through 3. And it is chock full of very interesting things for you to read. Lots of things that I certainly could have preached upon here today. Like you will read uh, about the freedom, this great freedom that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Galatians chapter 5, you will read about, uh, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, it's not fruit, it's fruit. Fruit that has nine characteristics. And then uh, Galatians uh, chapter 6, it records one of my favorite Bible verses. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, which reads, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give I hope you underline that one when you come to it this week. And then we go to the book of Ephesians, and there we encounter that very interesting and and sometimes confusing and misunderstood doctrine of predestination. And that would have been a fun one for us to talk about here this morning, although that topic probably is better suited for a Bible study where we could have dialogue back and forth. The the reading uh, from Ephesians also mentions, well, not once, but actually twice, the Apostle Paul's persistent prayer for the people that they may know God better and that they may and I quote here, grasp how wide and and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And you know, my friends, that is also my prayer for each one of you here today as we gather to worship our Lord and to hear a sermon from Ephesians chapter 2 about the great transformation which God, our gracious Father in heaven, has worked in our lives. That's right. Like that of a remodeling or a refurbishing or the rebuilding of a house, God has similarly transformed each one of us from that of being, well, a self-centered sinner into that of being a member of his royal 
household. Now, for those of you who like outlines, in Ephesians chapter 2, this section that I'm going to preach on here this morning, we are going to, first of all, look at what we once were formally, that is, prior to this great transformation that has taken place within us. Secondly, we will look at how that transformation actually came about. Thirdly, we're going to be reminded of what we have become due to that transformation. And then finally, we're going to ask that all-important question. And that is, so now what are we to do? You got that outline? What we once were formally, how that transformation in us came about, what we have now become, And finally, what are we to do? So let's get started here. I entitled, you may have noticed here, the sermon, God's Rebuilding Plan. And I call it that because, well, what we once were formally, that is before Christ entered into our lives through his word, through baptism, and created in us faith, what we once were formerly was like that, you might say, of a severely defective and dilapidated house. Actually, my friends, it was even worse than that. In reality, it was a house that was beyond repair, one that was no longer salvageable or good for any useful purpose except, of course, for the old wrecking ball. Speaking of which, you know, if I had been on the ball, I would have put up here on the screen a picture of a house that looked like that for you to view. But of course, I must confess, I wasn't on the ball. I wish I had been. I wish I could have done a little bit more for you here this morning. And yet, in a way, that sort of makes the point here. You see, sin does that to us. It gets us off, you might say, our game. It causes us to, yeah, forget things and to slip up and to fall short of perfection. But even worse yet, it causes us to forget who God is. And it renders us completely powerless to carry out his holy commands of us. And that, my dear friends, is a far greater problem, a much greater problem than a minor slip-up here and there. You see, sin not only causes us to forget God and fail to keep his holy commands, but as it states at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, sin renders us to be spiritually dead. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Consequently, sin creates this separation, separation from the living God. 
And it keeps us outside of fellowship with him that is outside of his church. In the portion of Ephesians 2 that makes up today's text, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Wow. By the way, that reference there, Gentiles by birth, not only means people who are not ethnically Jewish, but in a deeper, in a more theological sense, it's a reference to the dreadful spiritual condition that afflicts all of humanity. In other words, every single human being is a Gentile by birth, if you will, that is born with a sinful condition that separates them from their creator. Such people as, by the way, all of us were at one time, are without hope and without God. That is, they are destined for the wrecking ball. Yes, to be brought down and carted off into the utter darkness in torments of hell. Now, as I say, that sadly was what we were at one time. That was, yes, our condition. But then something, something great happened to us. The Apostle Paul explains it this way, where he says, you who once were far away have been brought near. Near to what, you might ask? Near to God. Near to our Creator. Near to His mercy and grace. Yes, brought near so that we could touch and even grasp onto the hope that comes with forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation. And just how did that happen? How were we brought near? How did that great transformation take place here within us? Well, again, the Apostle Paul states it very clearly for us. He simply says, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. By his blood, Paul says. That is, by the blood of Jesus shed there on the cross for you for me, and for all people. Dear friends, do you realize the transformation, indeed the great miracle, that has occurred in your life? In another book of the Bible, which the Apostle Paul wrote, he describes it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Again, it's kind of like one of those, well, you know, complete makeovers that you might see on one of those television shows where they take like an old battered house or perhaps even a, a battered person 
that clearly has flaws and imperfections, and they transform it into something that is stunningly beautiful. The only difference is that the transformation that Christ produces is not one of outward renewal and beauty per se. Rather, it is one of inner renewal and beauty. Thanks to Christ and what he has done for each one of us, friends, we have been transformed. Into, as the Apostle Paul puts it in this reading from Ephesians, into a new humanity. Or as he says, a holy temple in the Lord. Or as he says, a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. All of which is to say, we have now become his church. Yes, my friends, that is what you and I and all who trust in Christ as their Savior now are. The Holy Christian Church. Hey, just let that sink in for a moment. You, you are now part of the Holy Christian Church. A communion of saints that is made up of all sorts of people, of all nationalities and walks of life and who have existed throughout all the ages of history and will exist until the Lord Jesus returns and who are all united together through a common faith in Christ Jesus who is the chief cornerstone. Hey, that is truly wonderful news to us. Because, as Scripture states in numerous places, it is only Christ's church that will be able to endure all the malicious attacks of the devil. It is only his church that will ultimately overcome this fallen world and be victorious. It is only his church that will last forever and live eternally in peace and security. Friends, you truly are in the right place when you gather with God's people in his church. For you are on the winning side. Yes, you are on the right side of history. Hey, but what does that mean for us now? Or as that all-important question puts it, so now what are we to do now that we have been given this special privilege that our gracious God has bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus? You know, in our text, there's a verse that I want to reread here for you. It's verse 17. And it says, he, that is Jesus, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near. Did you catch that? Jesus came into this world to preach the good news of peace. That is the peace of reconciliation with God the Father that comes through the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. And Jesus came to preach that message 
both to those who are near, like us, who are now in the Holy Christian Church. But also he came to preach that word of peace to those who are far away. That is, to those who are currently outside of the church. So back to that question of, so what are we to do now? Well, my friends, certainly we are to continue to hear the preaching of our Lord. Just as we are doing here right now this morning. It is vital for us to continually hear his word of peace and comfort and assurance. Since even though a transformation has certainly taken place within our lives, nevertheless, we still struggle, do we not? We still struggle with temptation and sin and difficulty and heartache as we journey here on this earth. So yes, keep building your life on the rock, which is Christ. But at the same time, it is also vital that we as his church tell the message of the Lord to those who are far away. That is, to those who are outside of the church, who do not know that peace and comfort and assurance that comes with God's word as you and I know it. Yes, it is important that we share that message with those who are not building their lives upon him who is the firm foundation. You know, I came across something that an atheist of all people had said and really stuck with me. As a matter of fact, it, it convicted me. This atheist said, and I quote here, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Let me repeat that. He said, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He made a good point. Remember, my friends, as this reading from Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us, our God is a God who is able to destroy the barriers that dividing wall of hostility. He is a God who can take two completely opposite groups and make them one. As with the case of the Jews and the Gentiles, as with the case of believers and unbelievers. He's not a God of hate. You and I know that, don't we? He is a God of love. And that love is found in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the center. He is the key ingredient, indeed the cornerstone, of God's rebuilding plan in this world. And he continues to rebuild lives to this very day 
And you know what? He has chosen to do that through us, his church. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, who is the rock. Amen.